Welcome to the Radiant Church Podcast. I'm glad you're here. Grab a Bible or open up your favorite Bible app as we get into God's Word together. Hey, Radiant family, man, we are going to dive right back into our series through 1 John, which we are nearing the end, just one more week through this powerful letter in God's Word. So if you have your Bibles, and I hope you do, go ahead and open up to the book of 1 John. And today we're going to be looking at chapter 5, verses 1 through 12. But just to get our time started today, let me just read uh, the first five verses, and then I want to pray with us. Um, Would you read along with me? Everyone who believes that Jesus is the Christ has become a child of God, and everyone who loves the Father loves the children too. We know we love God's children if we love God and obey his commandments. Loving God means keeping his commandments, and his commandments are not burdensome. For every child of God defeats this evil world, and we achieve this victory through our faith. And who can win this battle against the world? Only those who believe that Jesus is the Son of God. Would you pray with me? Father, God, I pray in this moment of submission to hearing and responding to your word, that you would just speak through this moment, that you would transcend the boundaries and the difficulties of technology, God, and your spirit would do the work. God, give me your words. Give me your thoughts to accomplish your will in this moment. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen and amen. Now, it feels like we've been walking through 1 John through a while, and throughout the book, there has been lofty statements, big, bold, challenging statements, but we find several in just in the first few verses of 1 John chapter 5. Look back at what it says in just the first couple verses here. It says that everyone who believes that Jesus is the Christ has become a child of God, and everyone who loves the Father loves the children too. Now, if this sounds familiar, it should, because John has been hitting this theme over and over and over again of love is the mark of a true child of God. And not just the love that we have received from God, but the love that we show to God by how we love God's children. Um, And this is challenging for us because most of our gospel formulations, if you remember from a few weeks ago, centers on us, the individual. And really, the story of the gospel has oftentimes been shortened and abbreviated to just be God loves you and wants a relationship with you. But the reality is, although that's true, that's not the whole truth. God does love you and you are a child of God if you have repented of your sins and are following him through faith. But you're a child of God, but you're part of the family of God, which means you're not an only child. God has other sons and daughters, and that makes uh, them our brothers and sisters in eternity. So I know some of you have grown up in church circles like mine where we call somebody brother so-and-so and and sister such-and-such. That's not just being churchy or cliche. That is actually communicating a biblical and eternal truth. Anyone who believes in Jesus has become a child of God, and anyone who loves the Father loves his children, our brothers and sisters, too. So that's the familiar part of this introduction, but now John's going to take it a little bit further. We know we love God's children if we love God and obey his commandments. We know that we really love the way that we're called to love if we love God 
And we know that we love God if we obey his commandments. Now, once again, this should sound also familiar too. Uh, a few weeks ago, we talked about the, 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 the show me type of love versus the tell me type of love. And God in the Bible is on the side of the show me type of love of how you feel about God is important, but how you respond to the commands of God is decisive. How you feel about God is important, but how you respond to the commands of God is decisive. It shows that we have been transferred from the kingdom of darkness, as Ephesians says, to the kingdom of light, the the light of Jesus Christ. John's not done challenging us. And this is probably one of the things that we're going to spend a little bit of time on because verse three is going to challenge us all. Loving God means keeping his commandments. Good so far. It's not new so far. Familiar so far. And his commandments are not burdensome. Slow down. Did you hear what the word of God just said? Loving God means keeping his commandments and his commandments are not burdensome. Uh, I don't know about you, but I have walked with God for almost 20 years now, over 20 years now. And I, I don't know if I would characterize the commands of God as not burdensome. Uh, I don't know if everything that God has called me to do has been easy to do. Uh, I don't know if everything God has called me, everyone that God has called me to love has been easy to love. Everyone that God has called me to forgive has been easy to forgive. What does the word of God mean when it says that the commands of God are not burdensome? Uh, Let me challenge us for just a moment, uh, because the reality is, Uh, Some of us have been walking with the Lord a little bit uh, long time and we've gone real comfortable, gotten a little jaded with Christianity, got a little jaded with the Bible. We've read the Bible. We've done the Bible reading plans. We've served. We've led. We've done all these things and it's lost its marvel to us. It's lost its awe to us. And so we read verses like this and we are easy to dismiss them. Well, yeah, you know, there was a time when I felt that way. But, you know, you got to grow up. Uh, And the sad reality, all of us have experienced love making hard things easy. All of us have experienced love making hard things easy. Uh, Ten years ago, if you would have put a child in front of me with a dirty diaper and asked me to change that diaper, that would have been a hard thing. Amen. (laughs) <laughs> that would have been a hard no. <laughs> uh, but now, after seven years of changing diapers for my own children, it, I'm not saying it's easy, but it's not hard when love is what's driving the factor. It's not hard to do hard things when love is what's pushing us forward. We've experienced that as parents. We've experienced that if you're married as in our relationships with one another. Uh, my wife and I, uh, we've been married for over 10 years, and we like very different things, y'all. Very different things. And one of the things that we have very different tastes on is what we watch on TV. Um, I don't watch a lot of TV, but the stuff that I watch is very different from a wife wants to watch. Uh, But it's interesting because she is so passionate about talking about these cooking shows or these Asian dramas or all the other things that she watches uh, that I get excited just from hearing her excitement. Uh, And I've been, you know, I've been caught once or twice kind of sitting down watching some of these shows with her because my love for her has created an enjoyment of that which she enjoys. That's what the word of God is saying, y'all. It's saying don't walk with God for so long that you just forget the joy of walking with God. And now you're just stuck walking with God. Don't be in a relationship with someone so long that you forget the joys of their joy. What makes them happy and how that makes your heart happy? Because look at the connection. It doesn't just say God's commandments are not burdensome. That would be an untrue statement. It it says loving God 
means keeping his commandments and his commandments are not burdensome. The love of God is what makes the commands of God not burdensome. Oh, it may cost you something. It may cost you more than you realize to follow God. But when it's motivated by love, not duty or fear, or I know I ought to, or I better should, or my wife has been nagging me, or my husband's been telling me, when it's motivated by the love of God, it will feel lighter. The commands of God, yes, the forgiveness commands, the love commands, the giving commands, the serving commands, all those things that we think on the outside are going to take something from us. When we shift our focus away from what God is calling us to do and we fix it on who is calling us to do it, all of a sudden the joy comes back. All of a sudden the joy comes back. Uh, you know, when changing that diaper, if I'm just thinking about the task, there's no joy in it. But I'm thinking about caring for my son or daughter, the joy comes back. When I just look at the TV show that I wouldn't normally watch, but I look at my wife's face and how much fun she's having uh, enjoying a movie together with me or enjoying a show together with me, all of a sudden the joy comes back. Family, uh, the commands of God are only burdensome when we are focusing on the commands of God. The commands of God are only burdensome when we're focusing only on the commands and not the good father who is giving us the commands for our benefit. Family, this isn't just a call to obedience. This is a, a call to fall back in love again. This is a, a call to have faith again like it was the first day of following Jesus. It's a call to remember who God is, not just what God has said. Because what God has said, I'm going to be honest, has challenged me. Uh, God has asked me to take big steps of faith in my life, and he's continuing to ask me to take big steps of faith. But when I focus on just what I could lose, when I focus on just the risk, when I just focus on the harm that could come, oh, man, it feels heavy. Oh, man, it feels burdensome. Oh, man, it feels like I can never do this. But when I look past the command and I see the father. When I look past the thing that I'm hearing and I look at the one who's saying it, all of a sudden I remember that God is good. All of a sudden I remember that he's never failed me yet. All of a sudden I remember that God will never leave the righteous forsaken, that although we walk through the valley of the shadow of death, lo, I am with you always. All of a sudden I remember, okay, okay, God's going to be with me through this too. Family, First John is not just saying, if you really love God, you do what he says. Sometimes we, we see this verse and we interpret it that way. And it is saying that, but it's not just saying that. Yes, our love for God should be on display. It's not just about how we feel, but it's about how we respond. But the feelings do matter because it takes the weight off of the obedience when the joy and the love is there. We know that we love God by keeping his commandments, verse three, and his commandments are not burdensome. Why? Because it's the love of God that fuels our obedience and lifts the weight of our obedience so that it's no longer burdensome. It may be hard. It might be difficult. It might be costly. But the joy of the love of the Lord lifts the weight off of our shoulders. For every child of God defeats this evil world and we achieve this victory through our faith. And who can win this battle against the world? Only those who believe that Jesus is the son of God. You see, the, the love of God 
leads to a victory in this world. The love of God leads to a victory in this world. Now, let me give me just a second here, because you all have heard me talk about this before, but it's worth mentioning again. There is a culture war that some Christians are waging. That is not the battle that God has called us to fight. There is a cultural war that some Christians are waging. And I would wager that it is not the fight that God has called us to fight. You see, some are seeing uh, the conversations around sexuality and gender, and some are seeing about the progressive slide and the, the liberal decay. And there's a fear that's being stoked in some Christian circles that's saying because of what's at risk. Because we got to save our kids, we got to save our country, because we got to put God and country back on the map, because we've got to do these things, we have got to take extreme measures. We've got to take new and different measures. Uh, there's a, a, a war on winsomeness, as it's oftentimes called. Uh, Tim Keller wrote a piece uh, arguing for being compassionate in our discourse. We can speak the truth without uh, harassing and attacking and name calling others. And he himself, after writing that, was attacked by some Christians for being too soft, too compromising, seeking to be too winsome. We don't need winsome believers. We need fighters, some would say. Family, that is demonic. I don't want to mince words here. The, the urge to lay down the weapons of our warfare, which are spiritual, and take up the arms of carnal, name-calling, anger, frustration, fear, that is the work of Satan. That is demonic activity. We are seeing play out on Twitter, on Facebook, at our Thanksgiving tables, maybe. That is demonic activity playing out. Because look what the Bible says. For every child defeats this evil world, and we achieve this victory, listen closely, through our faith. And the rest of the verses are going to unpack what that means for just a second. But hear what that says. The word of God is saying we achieve victory through faith, not fear. Through faith, not, not name calling, not tribalism. We achieve the victory over the world through faith. Why? Because the victory is not subduing our enemies, but loving our enemies. Uh, John Tyson uh, wrote a book called A Creative Minority. And in that book, he talks about what a remnant people need to behave like, need to believe and need to respond. And this is what he says about the church. He says, in order for us to be this creative minority, this remnant people, we must be a church that needs to, that doesn't seek to control or abandon the world, but to love it to new life through redemptive participation. Oh, my God, that's good. I'm going to say that again. He says the church is called not to control the world, not to abandon the world, but to love it to new life through redemptive participation. Family, that's how we fight, is through our love on display by acts of justice and compassion and mercy and proclaiming the truth. And by doing these things, the Holy Spirit mixes in our sometimes feeble and inconsistent efforts. All of a sudden, the power of God changes those around us. Whether we win the election or not, whether our person wins the party vote or not, whether the person that we voted for gets the seat or not, we can still be a people to love this world back to life through redemptive participation. And that's what Christian victory looks like. Not power, justice. Not power, mercy. Not power, 
love. Hear me, believers. If you chased power to do justice, there was nothing that you wouldn't justify in order to get that power. Let me make it real plain. If you think in order to save the unborn lives of children by eliminating abortion, that your party has to win in order to do the right thing, there is nothing that you won't justify to do that. But if you say, no matter who's in power, we can still do justice, no matter who's in power, I can work with them on the things that we agree on, I can push back on the things we disagree on, but I can still achieve justice even without power, that's what a redemptive kingdom people looks like. That's what the Bible says is true victory achieved through faith. Family, uh, in just uh, a few days, uh, it'll be February, which is Black History Month. This is an incredible opportunity for the church to learn from the church. You see, you don't have to go overseas to find the story of a persecuted church achieving justice in this world. You can just look back at the church of of today, the historic black church, the civil rights movement, and you can see how the power of God changed the world. (laughs) Yo, the civil rights movement did not depend on Martin Luther King becoming president. The civil rights movement did not depend on Martin Luther King becoming a governor. The civil rights movement did not depend on power. It depended on justice, no matter who was in power. It depended on prayer. It depended on reliance on the spirit. It was a work of God by the people of God to achieve a victory that they themselves didn't have the power to accomplish. And we see that played out on Christians around the globe in India in the Middle East, and Christians who do not have political power, but through their redemptive acts of love by participating in the world, they see God moving and changing. Family, how can we win this battle against the world? Through faith, through believing that God is always working when we're in power and when we're not in power. Believing that God is always working, whether we have riches or wealth or not. Believing that God is working, whether taxes, uh, whether churches have non-exempt status or not. Believing that God is working, whether they pray in schools or not. Not seeking to, to achieve power to do justice, but doing justice despite whether we have power or not. Because that's what faith looks like. Faith looks like believing that God can, even when we can't. And then the shift, verses 6 through 12, only has one big point. I want to read all of these verses in our hearing, and then I'm going to wrap up here. Verse 6, And Jesus Christ, who was revealed as God's Son by his baptism in water and by shedding his blood on the cross, not by water only, but by water and blood and the Spirit, who is truth, confirms it with his testimony. So, we have these three witnesses, the Spirit, the water and the blood and all three agree. Since we believe human testimony, surely we can believe the greater testimony that comes from God and God has testified about his son. All who believe in the son of God know in their hearts that this testimony is true. Those who don't believe this are actually calling God a liar because they don't believe what God has testified about his son. And this is what God has testified. He, Jesus, has given us eternal life, and this life is in his Son. Whoever has the Son has life. Whoever does not have God's Son, 
does not have life. Now, the historical context of these words, John was writing to a particular group of people who had separated from the church. They had left the original faith and they were saying strange things about Jesus, primarily that he was not the son of God, that he was a good moral teacher who may have done some some miracles and some works. But salvation is found not in through Jesus alone, but maybe Jesus and the law or Jesus and something else. Or they were trying to add to the gospel by taking away from the person of Jesus. And John wanted to be real clear, real clear that you do not have eternal life if you do not have Jesus. If you do not have Jesus, you are not saved. You are not a believer. You have no eternal hope. You and God are enemies. But family, that also means the opposite is true. That those if those who are outside of the faith, those who reject Jesus are God's enemies and not part of our family. It also means that anyone who accepts and submits and obeys and loves Jesus is part of our family. You see, let me be clear. There is only one faith, but there are many expressions of that one faith. There are many believers who can disagree on lots of different things. But as long as we got King Jesus. We don't need nobody else. As long as we believe in him for the salvation of our souls, him alone, not him and our works, not him and our Bible reading, not him and our morality, not him and our political party. As long as we believe in Jesus alone for salvation, that makes you and I, brother, that makes you and I family. The challenge, I believe, that's inherent in these words is for us to act like it. That means we need to be clear with our unbelieving friends. The most loving thing you can do is telling somebody the truth. Now, we want to tell them the truth with compassion and empathy, but we want to tell them the truth. We want to tell those who've rejected Jesus in our lives that there is a God who created them with purpose and power. And if they would just come to know him, not only would their sins be forgiven, but their purpose would be realized. But if they reject Jesus, they will be separated from him for all eternity. You see, God doesn't send anyone to hell. God doesn't send anyone to hell. All God does is respect the decision that you made in this life for all eternity. That's all he does. If in this life you said that you don't want God, all he does is respect that decision for all eternity and send you to where his presence is not. Send you to where his mercy is not. Send you to where his love is not, because that's what you said you wanted. And it is a loving thing for you to hear that and for me to say that. But also the opposite is true. If you have received Jesus as your Lord and Savior and you are following him and loving him and submitting to him, that means we can disagree on a bunch of stuff, but you're still family. We can disagree on a bunch of stuff, but you're still family. Radiant family, would we hear these words today? This is talking about a love that produces a love, a love of God that produces a love for God, a love of God that produces a love of the word of God. Do you you realize that the longest chapter in the Bible is Psalms chapter 119? It has 176 verses in it. And two of those verses, only two, do not mention the Bible explicitly. It is a love letter. 
to not just the Bible, but to the God of the Bible. How delightful are your words, how they nourish my soul. The love of God should produce an obedience to God fueled by the love of God, but should also produce a love for one another. And in our hyper partisan, hyper political time, even in the church, this is a timely reminder for us to wake up and make sure we are fighting for the right side, not left or right. Not those who are in, those who are out, not reformed or not reformed, not complementarian or egalitarian, but Jesus alone sufficient for salvation and all of the things we can work out on the way. All of the things we can work out on the way, because our victory is not determined by the power we achieve, but through our faith in God working in us, working through us. May we be the church that John Tyson talked about. May we be the church that God calls us to be. Not a church that controls the world, not a church that seeks to abandon the world, but seeks to love it back to life through redemptive participation. Because we've experienced it, we should be the people most willing to show it. May we be that kind of church radiant. Let me pray for us. Father, God, thank you for your word. God, I pray that you would pierce our hearts, that you would uproot any loyalties that are outside of the kingdom priorities. God, help us to be a people who have experienced your love, who show your love, who fight for justice, truth, and mercy using the weapons of compassion, love, and the fruit of the Spirit. God, help us to be this people now more than ever. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen and amen. Thank you for joining our family in North Charleston as we heard God's word preached today. We would love to connect with you. You can find us online on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Send us a message to learn more about what Radiant Church is doing or support the vision of Radiant Church at radiantcharleston.com giving.